Okay, well, we're continuing in 1 Corinthians, and I just, this is one of the reasons I get so excited about the way that we go through the Bible, just chapter by chapter and verse by verse, because in many places, and I looked this week and was looking at what other people do, they, they, they get to the end of chapter 1, and chapter 1 ends with such an amazing statement that Jesus Christ is our wisdom and sanctification and justification and this high, high stuff. And then we jump over to chapter 3, because that's really interesting too, and then chapter 2 gets kind of lost in the, the muddle. And so today we get to look at chapter 2, this amazing chapter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians that's in his flow and in what he's going after, and I hope very helpful to you as, as you and I want to bow before the Word of God and let it work on us. And it's in the continuation of what he was talking about in chapter 1, so I'm calling this our folly part 2 because we worked last week on getting us to see that we are foolish people, not wise. That God chose the foolish of the world. And so when you've gathered here in this church and you believe in Jesus, you should think of yourself as foolish, not as wise. <laughs> I like that because, you know, when I was growing up, we had a parrot. Yeah, I grew up in Hawaii, and so it was a green parrot. And we've kind of lost the bird thing now because we have Alexa. You know, you can talk to Alexa and she'll talk back. But birds did that. You know, you train the birds to talk back to you. And I always liked it when they would say something kind of intelligent. So not Polly wants a cracker or something like that, but... Something like, are there 12 atoms in an in a oxygen molecule? And the, the bird would go, yes, yes. Nice, what a smart bird. How's the surf today? Awesome, awesome. And you thought, what a smart animal. What, a, what an intelligent being. It's kind of like what it is, huh? There is a God, and he is interacting with us. There is the God. And so almost this thought of we're like this bird. We're not smart and wise. We are nothing before him. So we spent last week getting to that point of realizing that. And then I, I want to explore with you what it's like, this truth that we have to share with the world and also to lean in on ourselves. What is it that we're going after? What is it that we now have? And it's wonderful and exciting what God has given us. So I want you to go through this with me. We'll start with it being an act of God, and we begin to look at this really wonderful chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So look at it with me. We'll pick it up in verse 1. Here we go. Paul continues. He says, And I, when I came to you, talking about when he first came and started the church at Corinth, because he started that church. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, he didn't come, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the content of our message, right? Which was Paul's message. It's not in the wisdom of the world, which is a message of skillful living, of doing everything right here. But we have this message uh, without a carefully crafted argument. That's what he's getting to, right? He's saying he's just blurting out this truth, like a treasure he's found, and, and he just has to talk about it. And, and he, so he's not coming with this carefully crafted way to get you to, to, to into the core of Christianity. I'm old enough now, I'm not proud of it, but, but I can say I saw this movie a while ago when I was a kid, and I, I don't even remember the whole movie. It was called, a, a, I think, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You see, that's an old movie, huh? But... I don't remember it. I don't recommend it necessarily. I just I remember this one scene where the, the UFO had come down. There was this big 
unidentified flying object that was sitting there and you just the scene where all these people were going and they're just looking at this thing and it's kind of glowing and they're just amazed and then it, it, it takes off and it's gone those people weren't going to tell you well let me tell you the 12 reasons why ufos exist let me tell you the reasons why there must be life outside earth and we have this complex argument they're going to talk about i saw a ufo it's incredible. That's the flavor of what Paul's doing here. He's a look, spacecraft. Now, this is not something made up, though. This is Jesus. Paul met Jesus. Paul was with Jesus on that Damascus road. He, he, he knew the crucified Jesus, the, the resurrected Jesus. And it's the message of Jesus, Messiah, he saves you. The message of Jesus crucified, he died for you. And Paul says, hey, I, I, I know this truth, and I, I didn't come to you with arguments and clever craftiness, and let me give you all the reasons why you should do this. I came with, I've seen him. This is true. I was with you, he says, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God wow volley he sets up this idea of not coming from a position of strength right of well-put-togetherness, uh, examples of high reason. He, he doesn't come. He doesn't come to, to them and, and talk. You know, have you seen those commercials on television? It says, oh, you've got pimples. Let me give you the 12, 14 days you can use OxyClean. And then you'll see your pimples go away. Uh, no, I know OxyClean is a detergent. I'm sorry, I'm doing it wrong. That's how bad it is. But that's the thing, right? It's like this thing where I've got the 12-step program for you, and if you do this, then you'll be better. And that's, that's not, he's saying specifically, I came with weakness and with fear and with trembling. I didn't have, I didn't have a well-put-together thing. I think of my students in China. I was in China for a year um, out of university and teaching English and taught hundreds of students, but we would go outside, you know, because it was just after Tiananmen Square in 1989 and 1990. And, 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 and so there's kind of a crackdown. You couldn't talk about religion. But if I got them outside in the open air, you were allowed to, to ask questions. And so I would interact with them, and I would talk with them about church and, and America and, and, and try and talk about things that were important to me about Jesus. You know what they wanted? They wanted to know why America was so rich. Does the money grow on trees? Like it, oh, this Jesus you're talking about, this church, is that a pathway by which we can also have that prosperity? Because we, we long for that. So easy, so easy to give them the impression, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Believe in Jesus. And, and, and Paul's saying he does the opposite. He comes with weakness and fear and trembling, speech not in plausible, wise, skillful living terms. Rather, he says, the demonstration of the spirit and power. He has something so incredible, so wondrous and so deep about a God who, who what did he do? He saved the prostitute. Who, who was washing his feet with her hair. He saved the woman who was so certifiably crazy. Didn't want anything to do with her, Mary Magdalene, right? 
He saved the tax collector. You know, the guy totally unworthy and just beating his chest and saying, have mercy on me. That's marvelous. That's something so deep. He'd seen it. He, the very one who chose to revile him on the cross, that's what the Bible says, right? Both of the thieves of people crucified on either side of him reviled him. But to one of them, he said, you'll be with me in paradise. That's amazing. That's God. Our faith isn't in an argument, you know. We do have a God who opened the eyes of the blind, who touched the leper, who healed the sick. God took the people who were against him and and he touched hearts that they opened their eyes to the truth. And so our, our trust is in the power of God. Jesus is the power of God. What he did for you, what he did for me, you cannot do. You and I, our faith, it's an act of God for us. You know, sometimes I think, you know, we present Christianity somehow like it's us climbing a mountain to get to God and we just need to do it and be, be strong. And, and actually it's God coming down off the mountain to be with us. Boys struggle with that in the way we present, you know, the Romans road piece where you got, you got the chasm and you got man and his sin over here. You got God and his perfection over here and you've got the cross in the middle that comes in and which is fantastic and good and well supported sin and death. That's our side. But then we put an arrow that goes from us over to God. I just want to switch the arrow. Can we switch it around that through Jesus, God comes to us? Because that's what I got. That Jesus Christ became a man for me, that he comes out, that I found something that is just such a treasure because of what God is. And I've got no wisdom. I've got no sweet words for you. I've just, I've, I've got this relationship that God has made with me that I trust him because he's done everything. You've got a God that adores you Will you receive him. It's incredible. This basic idea, you see, it remains doesn't it, that we're somewhat like parrots. We're fools. <laughs> no, no speak back to God, but we know this God. We have nothing beautiful in ourselves, no moral height, no skillful living. We've been caught by the wondrous act of God in Christ. <sighs> okay, and yet, for the fool like you and me, there is wisdom. We built on this point and I tried to take it down last time like Paul did in his argument. But yet he says, I do have some wisdom for you, he says. It's right here with the revealer. Let's keep going. So in verse 6 he says, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Oh, there is skillful living. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Oh, I get excited because I want wisdom. I, I long for it. I, I don't like being a fool. I want to be wise. So there's a way. There's, there's this wisdom that comes. It says, okay, but see it. It's to the mature. Who are the mature? Well, don't you think as we've been walking through, maturity has to be then as we've been thinking it through, knowing you're a fool. <laughs> that's maturity I get to actually see. Yeah, I believe this. I'm a, I'm a fool. And, and worldly wisdom, 
for us, it's, it's impossible. That's not mission impossible. You know, mission impossible, if you really think about it, captures the longing of our hearts all the time. You might not be a movie buff, because I'm sorry, I'm heavy on movies today, but those mission impossible movies are really fun. They're not mission impossible. They're mission unlikely. Because the guys always accomplish it. So you get a, an impossible mission, and then the, the hero, if you will, accomplishes it. It's very unlikely that they could ever do it, but through tricks and fun thinking and creative um, problem solving, it's mission possible at the end. <laughs> they pull it off, and we go, woohoo, our hero. That's the human spirit right there. It's like, give me the tools, and I'll, 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 I'll MacGyver it. Not us. We're mature when we actually move our understanding from hero to zero. Not the other way. From hero to zero, that, that's what we're actually doing. I have a hero. It's not me. The rulers of this age, they're building here. They're building towards something, towards this herodom of themselves, or even sometimes, may I say, ourselves. And, and, and yet we know it's all for nothing. And, and Paul says, once you're there and once you're mature and you know there's no actual hope for you, then there's, except there's this wisdom that comes in this incredible announcement of what God has done for you. And it does impact everything. But we impart, he says, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of the under age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, stop and consider what he's doing. He's saying, look, we know we're fools who get the gospel of Jesus. We do get this secret and hidden wisdom. It, it's not a common push towards goodness and betterment. That's all the world does that. All the Buddhists and the, the Muslims and the, 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 the everybody. That's not secret and hidden. The common push is not the secret. Every religion under the sun is about improvement and betterment. But this wisdom, this skillful living is something deep and wondrous that God decreed before the ages, Paul writes, before this world began, for whose glory? For God's glory. Typo alert? For our glory? You've got glory. What glory do you have? You and I have glory. The glory that God decreed from before the ages began, before he even made you that he would give you Christ and that connection would be the glory that you have. Not glory that we give to God like we have something to give him, but glory that he gives us and the wonder that he loves us and has brought us in to his family by the blood of Christ. Whoa! That's glorious. This is the secret wisdom, what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you see it? The ones in power, the ones building themselves up, the powerful of this age, they don't understand the secret wisdom. And he says, we know that because they wouldn't have crucified Christ. They don't have any idea what God has prepared for those who love him. That's a quote of Isaiah 64, by the way. Our wrongness and yet God's incredible gift 
that is coming. And, and how do we know this? How do we know this? If, 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 if ears have not heard, so we've never heard this, if, if eyes have not seen, if we can't even imagine what God has prepared for you and for me who love him because of the great love by which he loved us and we've received it, if we get that, how do we know? How amazing God's preparation is for us. We know this, Paul writes, through the Spirit. This is really important, and if you're a Christian and haven't considered this, you need to step into this. These things, Paul writes, God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of the person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God. You parrot. <laughs> except the spirit of God. It's like a light bulb going on. You catch the flow. We realize God's chosen the foolish, not the wise. We're drawn to the wise, but instead we realize we're zero, not hero. And we, we focus on this amazing news, the cross of Christ. And with this trust, he says, we get the spirit God reveals this special wisdom, this hidden wisdom regarding what God has done. He's given us by the Spirit. He, he, he's capitalizing your text because they're making a choice to say, yeah, we think this is the Holy Spirit outside of you that comes. The helper that, that Jesus talked about in John 14 and 15 and 16. The paraclete, the comforter. Why the Spirit? Well, that's what Paul's saying, right? God has revealed to us through the Spirit because the Spirit knows. <sighs> Sorry, it's like the pots in my head. The shadow knows. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. Ways that you never, ever could. So if the mind of God gets revealed to the Spirit, then the Spirit comes and reveals to us. Nothing wiser than that, right? Knowing the very mind of God. That's what we get. And, and so he says, now, now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So, so we don't get the spirit of the world, but we receive the spirit from God. And, and look hard here. What does the spirit want you to understand? <laughs> so I'm, I'm a worldly person. I live in the world every day. I soak in the world. The world pushes me to be about me all the time. What, what, is, what does the spirit want me to understand? It, it says it. <laughs> it doesn't say it. It says it. We might understand... Verse 12, the things freely given us by God. The things freely given us. The wisdom that we need is the understanding of what's freely given to you and to me by God. I mean, <laughs> nothing of you. Everything I have, I've received. That's John 14, right? Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house, there's many mansions, and I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back and get you. Hey, I'm going to my Father and return. And then you have Philip, right, in that passage, and he goes, well, Jesus, prove it to us. I mean, show us the Father, and we'll be happy. 
And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, but I know it's hard for you to believe right now, but don't worry, he says. I'm going to send you the Spirit. What's the Spirit going to do? It's going to teach you about how amazing it is, what God's prepared for you. The reality of trusting this God's love for you, that you're in his family, that actually this world is passing away in the thought of it, but, but, but God in his amazing mercy for you has prepared a place in his family with Christ, in Christ. It's not just there. Ephesians 1, for example, where it talks about in, that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise as our guarantee, this idea that he, he, he helps lock us, not, not that he's judging us, don't know if you're doing go right or left today. You went right instead of left. No, he says he's your he, he's this guarantee for you to comfort you and make you dwell in, in the reality of what God's freely given you. Think of First Peter where it says you're kept and guarded by God for an inheritance that can't be lost. Kept by how? The Spirit. The wisdom you and I get is the understanding of the depth of the gift of God in Christ. Not that we would get it if we earn it or do something great for God or whatever. It's free. It's a gift. What's your part? Receive it. The testifier is in some logical argument because there is no logical argument of why God would do this for you. I'm sorry. I know you're really cool. There's no reason why God would bring a nothing into his family. But he has. It's fantastic. Thus the Spirit, who has this special knowledge, imparts it to us, and you, you see Christ crucified for you, and if you believe in Jesus, and the depth of that secret, that hidden understanding you need to know, according to Paul right here, is not principles of better living, it's the depth of what's been given you in Christ. And just three verses left in the chapter, they finish on something super important to us because you need to understand you and I it's a battle the battle's not for moral behavior it's in belief of this truth right here the conflict is that the natural man the person that exists rationally right here is in conflict with this message all the time there's got to be earned goodness there's got to be earned reward there's that there's got to be there it just has to be and so there's this conflict and he says it in verse 14 he says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's amazing. As amazing as the end of the last chapter. Be careful, though, with what he's after, okay, with me? He sets up this big conflict, right? The natural person, which you could say the man of life, that's the word, or the man of the soul, actually, even. And then there's the spiritual person, and the difference is, is that the natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. Well, what are those things? That, that's the sharing of the mind of God, which is what, what he's given us in Christ. The things freely given by God. So Jesus 
talked about how amazing it was the Spirit was coming because he would comfort and remind and teach about the gift of the gospel, who is Jesus, right? And the natural man doesn't understand any of this. He judges things according to the wisdom of the world, according to merit and self-righteousness in terms of building up a kingdom, in terms of building up self, in terms of principles for right living in themselves. And it's only gotten worse, honestly, since Paul's day, hasn't it? Don't you see that? I think even on my trip, you know, I went to China. I went to China for a, a year. And then I got on my airplane and I flew back. I've been there. What's next? We now have all these things that we pulled into our lives to maximize every moment, to make sure we ring out of every moment the maximum amount of stuff that we get done. We do. Airplanes and, and telephones and let, let's be involved in everything. What am I doing? I'm, 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 I have a mindset that's about right now. I get on Facebook. Come on, Facebook. I look at all the cool things you guys do. You know what I mostly feel? Jealousy. I, I want the good day you had. I'm like, wow, they're doing that. That's really cool. Oh, I should do that too. Or pretty soon, my list of things that I'm going to do stretches 14 miles. And I start to feel bad that I haven't wrung out of every minute all of these experiences. What's that? That's time-bound existence about Dax. We don't do the thing the people... I mean, used to be you're on a farm and you're sitting there growing food that you're going to eat. Most of it's about sitting there and watching the wheat grow. Now, there's lots of hard work. I'm not saying there's, no, there's tons of hard labor in that. It's not about labor. It's about what you think you're accomplishing. What you think you need to wring out of this life. How you think it's about you. And God in Christ says, wait a minute, it's all about me. It's not about you having accomplished something with that extra moment. You know, to be spiritually minded is to have the mind of Christ, which means you're going to live forever, right? You're going to be with Jesus forever. If you spent 10 hours reading a book, man, you've wasted 10 hours. How can you do that? No, there's no time. There's no more time. There's just time stretches to eternity. It's not about you accomplishing something with your moments on earth. It's about you actually believing that God in Christ has you every moment of every day. Not about what you accomplished. The natural man, it's all about here, about maximizing every minute because we have to improve our mortal bodies. But in this very context, using this very image, Paul will end the letter in, in 1 Corinthians 15 with flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, but there's this mystery. The trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised, imperishable. You see, we trust in what is coming I'm going to be raised imperishable. That's the spiritual life that's right now by faith. What I don't see, I just trust it. But it's coming where I'm going to see it, and you are too. You're going to see this amazing salvation that we experience forever in Christ. Oh, this is deep. The spiritual person is the one who has the Spirit of God. The spiritual person is trusting in the cross of Christ, and this means has the actual view of eternity with Christ by union with him. And if that's your viewpoint, Paul writes, you judge all things. That's the lens by which we see all things, heaven and earth and eternity and the past and the future, all finding their yes and amen in Christ. But to someone who actually has the mind of God, he's not actually rightly judged by anybody. Who is there to judge him? That's why he says that, right? So when you get down here, he says, it's a quote, and they put it in quotes like it's a phrase. For who has, has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? It's basically that same thought. We're parrots. We don't get to go to God and say, 
well, I'm going to tell you, God, what to do. That would be blasphemy. And then he says, if you have the spirit, you have the mind of Christ, who is what? God. You are not rightly judged by anyone. Trust in Jesus and you're not judged by anyone because you're the mind of Christ. I don't get to judge you. You don't get to judge me. We're the mind of Christ. That's how, that's how he ends this amazing deep statement. Who knows God's mind that somehow we would say to God, no, you're wrong. We would never, never, never do that. That's a, that's a mind-blowing gift and a huge assurance to you and me. The Spirit, but you're promised by faith in Christ, teaches us, exhorts us, comforts us, is our helper, and that helper gives us the heart of God for us. I think of 2 Peter, don't you? I mean, 2 Peter chapter 1, where he says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I start going, okay, well, he's enabled me to go be a better me. That's not it at all. He says, by his, by the knowledge of him, by the knowledge of Jesus, who gave us these great and precious promises. See, by what Jesus has promised that he's going to do to us, this is how I live and have the power to stand up here and tell you, I, I, I have a great news for you. And it's about kind of like that spaceship in Close Encounter. I've seen something. I've tasted something. I just want to share it with you. The gift of God in Christ for you. If you would just have it for a moment, you could experience it in your heart for a moment, you would see what an amazing thing in the Holy Spirit. You get him. He will tell you this truth. You have the mind of Christ. That's the mind that says, Jesus says, I love you. I died for you. I paid for you. I love the rest of my body too. I promise a place for you, he says. This is the mind of Christ. It means you aren't judged rightly by anyone, especially not your flesh. I want to end there. We need to end there. But I just want to say, why might this matter? For a moment, can we discuss why it might matter? And I guess a couple things really come this passage should push out at you. One is, is that the power that you have is outside of you. You're a testifier to it. You know, like Paul. But you don't need special arguments. You've tasted something that you're sharing. I know something. I know this announcement. And this gives me just, it's not me. You don't look at me for the strength of this announcement. Don't you dare stop holding on to the only one who matters, right? You hear the testimony of the Spirit. And we we struggle with sin sometimes. And and, and I've run into this a few times now, more than once, that sometimes in our struggle for sin, it leads us to this place of saying, maybe I'm just not saved. It's not about your sin. Jesus paid for your sin. All the people that I'm talking to in these lines have repented many, many times for their sins. But they come back and say, but I should be a better person. It should be, I should show betterness. I should be stronger. I should be, I should be out of it. I should be done. No, 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 wait a minute. The assurance of the Spirit is what for you? That it's about what Jesus died for. Your assurance is based on what Christ has done. Do you think it's true or not? That's it. And, and that's why you and I get gratitude. And humility, we're fools. Honesty, I'm not, I'm not put together. Look at Paul who said, I, I came in weakness and trembling and foolishness. 
you might need help, honestly, in seeing your foolishness. If you do, I would love to help you. Come, I'll point out all the ways that you're a fool. <laughs> we can point on that together. Right? Our essential humility by seeing the beauty of holiness, the beauty of the law, the beauty of God's standards, and comparing yourself to them. That's good for you and me. We do try and be better because, honestly, that's beautiful. I just, at the end, trust in the finished work of Jesus. I call you to, too. I, I, I call you to this amazing statement that if your trust is in Christ, the Holy Spirit is yours. And the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. That is a gift. Rejoice in it, would you?